Hey guys, it's Teresa, the host of You Can Tell Me Anything. Hey, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, did you know that you can be? Very easy. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe. You guys know how the internet works. That would be so lovely. And then you can get this podcast in your uh, whatever app you use to listen to podcasts every week when it comes out. Also, um, if you send me a screenshot of yourself, not yourself, of your screen, leaving a five-star review with a written review, I will send you a private DM confession. That's just for you. These are unique confessions I haven't done on the Patreon before or for anybody else. Just for you. You'll be the only one who knows this secret. You can uh, DM that or send that to me by tagging me on Twitter at Larissa T or on Instagram at TellMeAnythingPod. And I will, uh, I will DM you a confession your way. If you've already left me one and somehow I missed it, just ping me again because I think I'm all caught up on those. Also, speaking of thanking, I want to thank these Patreon members. Thank you so much, Garrick G. James, Kevin Christian, Anthony Puglio, Christine, and Nolan McLean. Thanks so much for joining the Patreon. And, um, oh my gosh, what a treat. Thank you to Small Beans Podcast Network for supporting the Patreon. They are so great. Um, Also, what good timing because this episode features Michael Swain from the Small Beans Podcast Network. So thank you so much, Abe and Swaim, for supporting uh, supporting the Tell Me Anything Pod. You can tell me anything podcast on Patreon. You guys should check them out. I'm sure you guys all have already heard of them. They're much bigger than I am. So if you haven't checked them out already, they have so many wonderful podcasts. They're small beans on on iTunes and on Patreon. And if you want to join the Patreon, I am at patreon.com slash tellmeanythingpod. You can join for just $1. And for $4, you can get access to bonus episodes. And I will thank you on the podcast. Okay, well, that's uh, that's enough introducing today. Um, enjoy this episode. We have Michael Swain, and we got into a really great conversation. So, here it is. You can tell her, you can tell her anything. She's a real good listener. You can tell her anything. Hey guys, this is Teresa, the host of You Can Tell Me Anything, the podcast where I have comedians confess a secret they've never told anyone. And I'm really excited for our guest today, a good friend, a old colleague, former colleague from Cracked, Michael Swaim. Hello. Hi, Teresa. Thanks Hi. so much for having me. Thank you for being here. This is terrifying. It is? Well, is vulner- <laughs> are you afraid of vulnerability? Not as a general rule. In fact, I'm the kind of person who will try to make friends quickly with mm-hmm. someone that I vibe with, with by immediately by opening up way too them. much and being like, <laughs> you know how you make the next level of friendship by me telling you like one of the saddest things that's ever happened to yes. me and then you do the same and people yeah. rarely respond. You kind of burden people, not burden, <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, please let me just dump my baggage on you and force you to connect to me. <laughs> it does feel like you reach a new level of friendship when you've gone beyond small talk and talked about at least one real thing that was yeah. like a challenge in your life. Yeah, that's true. Um, but no, I, I just try to stay really true to the premise. Mm-hmm. So, these are, and I, I'm actually so open that there's most, most like major secrets I've at least told You've someone. Told, yeah. So I tried to think of something and I did finally. Oh, good. That I've I'm literally excited. never told anyone because there's so many embarrassing aspects oh, that I didn't I'm so tell anyone. Excited. I mean, not for your embarrassment, but I sometimes think in dealing with embarrassing things, like it's mm-hmm. a way to move on. Because I, I mean, for whatever reason, like we'll hang on to things, even if they're small, yeah. random things. That's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And then you don't address it. And then like <laughs> yeah. years later, you'll be like, 
ooh, I'm still cringing at that, but it's like such a little thing, you know? Yeah, I think um, this definitely falls into that category. I think I sort of talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. at well, your guys' house that didn't end up going out, but the <laughs> one about when I, and I actually don't talk about it a lot, but, uh, and just last week I talked about it on a show that was storytelling, but how mm-hmm. I asked a senior to Sadie Hawkins right. as a freshman yeah. <laughs> by giving him a stuffed lion um, that I bought at the grocery store. And when I thought about it, like it was so embarrassing. I was like, this is why I don't talk about it. Cause it makes me cringe mm-hmm. to remember the feeling of like walking up to his locker. Right. And like here's a stuffed animal. <laughs> Will you go to Sadie Hawkins with me? I can top that though. Oh God. Okay. I'm excited. Wait, before we get too into, <laughs> oh. into that, I want to hear a good confession. Oh, that's not this story i was gonna be super oh okay you've got a really well just it resonated with me because i engineer the ill-fated show you're describing (laughs) rough stuff and we are gonna re-record and get it out but uh it was a great episode and i hope you'll be able to fabricate the same level of like embarrassment yeah (laughs) um but i just uh i remember now that you mentioned it that i was like wanting to tell you that the first girl I ever asked out, I asked her out with a poem uh-huh. that I wrote on a piece of paper that I had drawn like roses and stuff Aww. all around and two wedding rings at the bottom. Oh my God, two wedding rings? And I gave her a sculpture what that I made. What level were they? <laughs> Just simple gold bands. The eternity of oh, our okay. love wedding, is enough. Actual wedding ring, not engagement. I'm yeah, exactly. Engagement. And she was like, this is super weird. That's way too much. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh my and God. I was just like, I realized I was imitating TV shows. I think or like yeah. practicing the big romantic gesture. Cause yeah. you do that as a kid, you watch these like movies where they're like, you know, they have to, yeah, they have to fly or they have to go to the airport and chase right. down the girl or whatever. So you're like, well, if I, that's what I got to do. But you do it as a child. And, and as a girl <laughs> I had a crush on and we talked a few times and then I'm like, what's the next step? Obviously a Marriage. huge romantic gesture. Yeah. Oh my God. So she turned you down uh initially <laughs> she's like podcast. i have some notes on this po- poem i ended up going out with her and marrying her and being with her for 10 oh, years wow. okay and it was a terrible marriage so that's a whole oh, different like whole topic story. Well, so though, i mean you visualize with those rings i guess but i but that's a huge part of <laughs> we have a show tales from the pit and i'm definitely going to do an episode about that ill-fated marriage where it's like i think one of the reasons i got locked in is wanting to be what i thought I was like an A student sure. and also so I wanted to marry the first girl I dated and she was the first girl I dated. You had this idea of what it was going to be so you kind of ignore any red flags that don't fit in the narrative. Right. The yeah. perfect white guy life that was depicted <laughs> to me in media. Yeah. <laughs> but I've fallen off that horse. Yeah, well, I think it's still good to <laughs> do grand gestures of love, but I do think as you get older, you... I mean, as a kid, you do them and it is sometimes embarrassing, but I think you do them so that you find the... You scale to the right balance because yeah. i don't even think it's a bad to show love i think it's just there's an idealism about um ex- expecting a lot out of someone that you don't know yeah. that could also be like oh in a way you're not seeing them for who they are because you're totally. putting them in this box that of like this perfect thing so as an adult i think it's better to be like okay i, I see your flaws and like right. i have my yeah. flaws and i'm not gonna like show up at your door at 4 a.m but like i'll be there for you when you know like you don't get that yeah. job or whatever there's like highly recommend that route yeah. <laughs> yeah rather than like assuming you're in love because you're infatuated for the first time and you're in the midst of puberty <laughs> and yeah. you're like this must be it someone said like the way you've um, fall in love is usually the way you fall out of love. So if a relationship starts really fast, oftentimes the breakup is like really immediate. Like people fall out of love quickly too. I don't know if that's always true, but bears out my life. Kind of makes sense, yeah, Yeah, because it's so like it can go hot and cold. Mm -hmm. But if you slowly fall for someone over years, oftentimes it's like 
even if you end up leaving each other, it tends to be more amicable because you've gotten to know each other. Right. For real. Yeah. On the real vulnerable level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the note of being vulnerable, I do like to start my podcast by asking my guests for a good confession Mm because not all confessions are scary and bad. Do you have something good you want to confess? So I would say that the good confession is something I have never told anyone except people who knew just by being that close to me at the time is I sponsored a, I used my allowance from age eight to 18 to sponsor a girl in the Dominican Republic in that program where you write letters back and forth named Sylvania. And again, I have a thing with romanticization and this is, I don't know if this is good or reveals me as petty, but it's kind of Seinfeldian, I guess. Uh, I wrote her long, really like romantic like not romantic in that sense but I mean like heartfelt yeah but also now that I as I've grown as a person I realize like kind of problematic white nighty like oh okay you know like things are so great like I'll save you with my ten dollars a week yeah (laughs) and uh wanting to know all about her and stuff and it quickly became apparent with her letters back and I highly encourage anyone to (laughs) use the sponsor a child program but nevertheless it became apparent with the letters back that she was filling out a form at school oh okay like mad lib style because for me yeah exactly from ages eight to 18 i would get like god bless you sir my favorite sport is soccer my favorite activity is talking with friends (laughs) that's so funny no matter what i wrote and then i the seinfeldian aspect i guess is just that i will cop to a strong feeling when i because i did it from eight to 18 and it like 15 I was like can I stop but I didn't feel that I could like I'd be immoral to stop right so I sponsored it all the way till she was 18 oh that's really nice yeah and uh, and aged out of the program I thought you were gonna (laughs) say you continue to get more heartfelt this as a like almost like an exercise of like well I will just continue to lean into this while she continues to send me no the exact (laughs) opposite in the beginning I would write like three page letters about like you know, I know that I can't change your life, but if it ever, if you're ever in the U.S., like, yeah. I hope we can meet in the future and stuff. <laughs> and she would write back, like, my favorite sport is dancing in the community center. <laughs> oh, well, I hope she's doing well. I do, too. I'm sure you had a good, a positive effect good on her life. Good luck out there, Sylvania. Yeah. So that's great. Well, that's a really nice thing you did. Sure. Um, very so, mildly but very thank you mild. <laughs> I mean you know sometimes you you know when you come from a doesn't matter if your intention at first is I think the whole white knights white savior thing because that is a thing that you know gets criticized and I think for sure there are a lot of bad aspects to it because it implies just like privilege or whatever mm-hmm. but also it does I think ultimately come from a place of like wanting to help uh, of course, sometimes I get frustrated too. You, you see too many of it, like as a trend. You're like, right. everybody's going on spring break to take get their photos or whatever. But like, also, if it wasn't for making this trendy, maybe less people would go. So it's sort of this weird thing mm-hmm. where you're like, yeah, it's problematic, but also, it's doing good. It it's, might raise awareness. Yeah, I don't think yeah. things are always uh, like all good or all bad. Right. There was a good article about a study showing that slacktivism, quote unquote, <laughs> has a huge impact. And whether you think it's like, well, that person's just talking and not putting their money where their mouth is. A million people talking makes 10,000 people energized. So there's something to it. I agree. That's true. And I'd like, whenever we get called like virtue signalers, I'm always like, (laughs) would you rather signal hatred? Like, I don't, what's better? Yeah. And also, yeah, because it's like, if you do a good deed, I always feel weird sharing good deeds, like if I donate, but then I do, I'll sometimes share it because I think, um, 
I've been, I've seen other people sharing charities and that's made me mm. look them up too. So I'm right. like, you know what? It does feel like this weird, like patting yourself on the back, but also it does drive people to then do totally. more good. Even if it's coming from a competitive place, like right. people yeah, will be like, yeah. oh, I can't believe Teresa donated. Well, I can donate to you. I'm like, good. I hope I, I hope I rile up your little competitive Yeah, edge. Sylvania dropped your name a lot when she wanted extra <laughs> cash to go out for the yeah, weekend. Yeah, she's like, Teresa writes me <laughs> Teresa gave me a 50. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, so I know you're a very open person already. Mm. I mean, we know each other and also you've talked about it. But um, what is like in your day-to-day life, like when you have things that are on your mind, do you have like a confidant or somebody you talk to? Uh, well, absolutely my girlfriend, Jennifer Moore. Um, but... Also, I do think there's a dialogue with the audience and I try not Mm -hmm. to romanticize the audience. Like I'm well aware that they're strangers. Sure. Um, But as I think, I think therapists will tell you most credible therapists, like there's an aspect to talking therapy. Like there are therapists who are essentially a wall and you're figuring stuff out yourself. Um, And I go to therapy, Mm -hmm. but also my art is definitely therapy. So I... We'll try to, it's like, you won't necessarily get good advice back and you shouldn't trust advice (laughs) from strangers that's invasive into your personal life. But if you're an artist who feels like being vulnerable or even just addressing the themes of whatever you're scared about or confronting in your art, I just find that it's a powerful introspection tool, the same way that therapy or like meditation could be. So I definitely will write it down in some form yeah, and then read it and be like, Oh, is that what I think? <laughs> do you find it's hard to, like, do you write with, um, now, like, that you've been so much in the spotlight with the, like, with, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, just the feeling of, like, you know it's going to go somewhere and be seen. Like, because I feel like now I get more self-aware, even if I'm, like, trying to journal, mm-hmm. a feeling of, like, I'm watching myself write. Like, oh, does this sound good? Whereas when I was younger, I used to just be able to, like, express. And now sometimes I feel like I'm blocked because I'm, like, Oh, that that's bad writing. So then I like want to stop myself. Yeah, or edit it mm-hmm. over and over, yeah. and then you wonder if it's as true to what. If it's something coming from a powerful emotional place, you're like, did I edit it until it's like sanitized and it's not right. vulnerable anymore? Because there's always an aspect of absolutely, and you and you, it's okay to do this. Everyone does this, and performers have to do this. You're also presenting the version of yourself that's useful for that piece of content. Sure, yeah. But then sometimes it's useful to be really raw and open. And it's up to the audience to be smart enough to differentiate or not and not give a shit, which is like real and which is exaggerated or fabricated or whatever. Yeah, I think the audience is smarter than we think. Well, I mean, most people are dumb. But yeah. just in general, like when you hear someone talking about like a side of a story and you know that they're changing it, like we usually mm-hmm. can see through that kind of thing. So I think people know. Or I think also just um, I learn a lot about myself when I'm, trying to process things by how I share it because if I am trying to cut things out of it I think it informs me like oh that's this is the version I want to happen so at least I know like aspirationally what I'm going for I think that's super important actually because I found yeah so the first half would be like making my own art about what I feel Mm -hmm. and then uh and it's true like the further you get from it like I look back at and since you're, t- you're talking about people like looking over your shoulder figuratively and I cannot write <laughs> when I have that feeling. So that's specifically why I think I'm most vulnerable in my prose short stories that no uh-huh. one reads. It's like the least popular thing I do. Um, and it is, it's a lot more freeing. But I think the other half of that that you're touching on is 
I've immediately found that I reach insights super fast when I teach other people material oh, okay. or edit someone else's work or sure. even just provide feedback on someone else's work. So even though it's like, I don't know, I certainly have the thing, the artist thing where you're like, I want to be making my stuff. Yeah. Um, whenever I find the time or force myself to take the time or have the opportunity to work with a younger writer or performer uh, who approaches me for any reason to like get advice you're right. Like when I say what I think, I'm like, Oh, that's what I think. I didn't right. even like elucidate that before I crystallize it. I also about people definitely agree with the quote that most people I've met are smart or smart enough to follow sure, and be open-minded and empathetic, but people are stupid. Yeah. Trends like destroy <laughs> everything. It's just mobs. For and, sure. Yeah. And I like find myself falling into being stupid all the time. Like where I'm like, Oh, I know why this is bad. But everybody else is on social media, so I'll do it. You right, know? and there's other stuff you abstain from and feel moral about that other people are doing, but there's stuff that they don't do that they think. And right. that's why, like, we all have blood on our hands because you're all slightly <laughs> lazy, and that's why things could be better than they are. I also don't think that – I think perfection is a myth because it's like I think we live our lives trying to be or to some degree, like, achieve this, like, settled feeling of, like, I've I've actualized myself and done everything, but, mm -hmm. like – that would also be miserable. Imagine imagine if today you could do like everything on your to-do list that you po ever possibly wanted to become like quote unquote perfect in your mind. You would then be like I'm well, becoming sexually aroused. Well, what? No. <laughs> but it's just like, well, now what? Like, you're going to sit, like, let's say, whatever your version is, sit in your house with your perfect relationship. Totally. But then you can't move. Like, you're like, I'm, I'm full. I just ate the best meal ever. I can't, like, yeah. what What do you do now? So I think, um, I think we do need to have a little bit of space. Uh, obviously, we'll try to get to a place where it's like perfection feels more attainable so that you're not unhappy. But and I think, and I don't know if it's true, but it's like the thing that I'm, that I mostly believe now, but I change a lot. Yeah. Um, that you're supposed to forget about it and let it go and just sure. be present, right? And that's, I can't do that either, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone says something, I mean, this is one of those dumb Instagram quotes probably, but that I always try to think about when I'm unhappy with where I am is just like, mm -hmm. Uh, God, I don't remember the wordings, but it's the idea of like, instead of trying to, um, it's like uh, not trying to get what you want, but want what you have. Mm -hmm. Because I think sometimes there's things I have now that I maybe like five years ago would have like been like, I just, if I could just have this one thing, I'd be so happy. Like even having a dog, right. I used to be like, I would just love to have a dog. <laughs> yeah. I've got a great dog. I still love him and everything, but it's like, is my life perfect? Obviously not. But when I remember there's things that I have now that I used to think like, that's going to change everything. Right. Then I remember like, oh, okay. So there's never going to be a moment where I'm like, I got it all. So instead of trying to get more, I should try to want the things I have. Like yes. imagine that the five years ago you, and then I the wonder thing. if you achieve that <laughs> if you'd be bored, but we'll find out one yeah. day. Maybe. Also, yeah, maybe Knock then that's just what death is. You just die when you you have it all. I used to have a theory when I was a kid that I really believed almost religiously that there are infinite dimensions, yeah, uh, parallel dimensions, and that in each dimension only one person is conscious. And Whoa. they're living whatever <laughs> universal now you're path. About language. <laughs> they're living whatever universal path will ultimately lead them to full self-actualization. And like, huh? So like, so it's, you're the only conscious person right now. I realize it's self-centered in that like, way. I guess in or the you way. Are. <laughs> the but way you're saying you look saying back it, the other way, it's, like, it's the idea that I could live in a universe where all the suffering and everyone who dies and doesn't get justice 
is a lesson for me, but not really happening, oh. which is totally bullshit. It sounds a little sociopathic. It is. But, <laughs> but then in every, but aren't all 12 year olds. But then in uh-huh, every alternate true. dimension, they're also getting that. Like everyone gets It's a Wonderful Life for themselves. Oh, everybody has a version. And then at the end of your life, like from everyone's perspective, you live 80 years or whatever. Finally, you realize like, oh, I, I'm content. And then like the veil drops and everyone meets and has a party. And has a party. That's really nice. Well, the interesting thing, well, you were talking about consciousness. I I think about a lot because I I think you're right. Every kid thinks about this to some degree. Mm. Probably writers think about more, but... When I was a kid, I used to wonder a lot what the the idea of an I was, like like I, the letter I, like me. Absolutely. Because um, there's a lot of, like, in your mind, you think in first person, but then I'm like, well, everybody's thinking in first person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This is, I'm getting too heady. No, but totally. Like, everybody thinks in first person. So who is who is the main character? Like, either nobody is, or maybe we are kind of all connected in some conscious mm-hmm. way. Because, like, I'll, you know, talking about art, you read, uh, a story that you connect to and you're like that's me yeah but it's not you but and it i is. feels real because you're definitely stuck like you only see the movie from this body yeah so it feels real but there's lots of times i don't think it's real or like i feel sure. like i could be outside it or have you ever read roland bart's death of the author i don't know if i've read that one but okay. i do love roland bart yeah well if you guys are listening is that the one where the six foot hamster walks into the classroom <laughs> No, it's a, okay. it's it's about it's more of a it's an essay that <laughs> really explores the uh, the idea of the eye and oh, the, cool. the death of the death of the author who is the eye nice. in writing it because by the time you put it to paper, it's not you. It's really interesting. It's super heady, but if you guys like that kind of stuff, definitely check it out. Um, yeah. I think there's translations. I think it's in French, but you the name's know. so familiar. I feel like I read it in yeah, college. Yeah, you may probably. It. It's a college thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's really interesting. <laughs> and that's my secret. <laughs> that's your secret. Sometimes I think about the nature of you. identity. Bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what, is there anything you would like to tell me? Because I do want to get into it. Oh, my gosh. It, well, thank God we have time. <laughs> but I honestly feel like I have to get ahead of this before okay. the media catches on and it comes <laughs> out. Because I was searching back for something I never told anyone. And I realized I it's so this happened when I was 15. Okay. And I I didn't never tell anyone because it's uh horrible. Uh-huh. But it is societally. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's why I need to get ahead of it. I guess bottom line is I have like a Scarjo role basically. Role? Yeah, you know how Scarlett Johansson's getting flack for they cast her in Ghost in the Shell oh, oh, as an okay. Asian oh, woman. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Then they just cast her in Rub and Tug, sure. I think she it's is, called, as a trans the woman. Top uh, box office Asian actress. So appropriation <laughs> is what we're getting at. I played a Mexican character named Ernesto. Okay. In the very first play I was ever in that wasn't a school play that I like got money to be in. Uh, I played Ernesto Hernandez and spoke in a broad Mexican accent and wore brown face and black dyed hair. Oh, my goodness. And looking back, I'm like deeply ashamed. And then what's interesting is interesting or extra horrible is the reason I've never told anyone about it, because I feel like it would have come up in conversation because people talk about their shows and crazy shit they did. Sure. um, Was that. That was arguably also how I lost my virginity. Was that that show? Arguably. In Um, character. No, because there was (laughs) this 18-year-old girl on the cast who, depending on how you look at it, 
I, we either hooked up or she took advantage of me because it's technically oh, okay. statutory rape. But oh wow, that's why I never told anyone. Because it's tied up in something. Else. It's tied up in something like deeply sexually embarrassing. And then that was before I met the girl who I eventually married, and I'm never gonna tell her because I was trying to cultivate the persona the of the perfect sure. marriage. Um, were uh, were yeah. you into this girl, or she, she took advantage of your age? I guess because you were younger. I mean, I'm not trying to say that like I didn't feel overwhelmingly. I felt very confused, sure. but I don't think it's something that's like traumatized me or left PTSD. But I guess I'm just pointing out that 18 and 15 is technically not yeah, okay. Yeah, that's not. And uh, technically, yeah. And uh, yeah, so the show's called Flaming Idiots, and I looked it up. <laughs> oh it's, boy. A, it's your classic <laughs> stupid dinner theater. It's so bad uh-huh. with the main characters like. Hey, we should never quit the post office. Well, we're going to make a million dollars running this restaurant now that we've hired Ernesto. Yes, let's sign this 10-year lease. I'm signing it now. Like, that's <laughs> the dialogue level we're talking. And uh, this was at a dinner theater in Julian, California. Do you know Julian? I don't. Nice it's place? The Bay Area? Ama- no, no, no. Uh, around, like, Ramona, northern San Diego County, oh, basically. Okay. Uh, there's a great, there's, like, they're really known for their apple pie and cider, which is excellent. Uh-huh. And then after this, they'll be known for statutory rape and cultural oh, appropriation. But uh, so there's this shitty show you can get. High sc- I looked it up online today to see what how what's the status. <laughs> High schools do it. You know, you like rent sure, it for your like to freshman do. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what's crazy to me is the character Ernesto is described as a Norwegian guy. Whoa. And the director changed the last name and made it. A Mexican caricature. Was the director a person of color? The director was Mexican. Huh. So I, this is also complicated. I, who am I to say, does that make it okay? Oh, wow. That so he told me to put on brown face and dye my hair. And I'm like, whatever. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in situations where it's a high school kid, I don't fault the kid. I mean, it's obviously, it's good now in hindsight, you can see sure. what it, what that's all, why that's problematic, but the director being Mexican, I don't know if it was a predominantly white area. Julian, I would say, is predominantly white, but has a sizable Hispanic minority. Because I can also see a world where the director wanted, like, was like, this is a cool opportunity for me to, like, infuse this play with my life for a little bit. And then, but then also, I know we weren't having these conversations as much right. as we are now about appropriation. I could see him also not trying to throw anyone uh, under heat and just being like, oh, cool, well, uh, there's... There's I'll no Mexican, Mexican actors guy. in yeah. this thing, so I'll, I guess this white guy will play my Mexican character. I guess. I just feel like, yeah, as time has moved on, there's still a lot of dialogue to be had. Sure. And everything is like no group of people is monolithic, so you really yeah. have to have an open heart and get to know people on an individual level and how they want to be treated. But 99 or more percent of people <laughs> know now that if you're putting – brown Brown or black makeup on your face yeah you should like question what's going on it's gone too far so (laughs) i've got a little confession on top of that which is because i never thought of this as brown face but now i'm like i think it and it is is i was in a production of west side story Mm. like a child children's theater musical and um i was a shark and they had us wear a foundation that was a little darker it wasn't like full on but it was like they were like wear a foundation that's a little darker than your face and i think that is brown true to the source i think that's brown face i mean but they weren't they didn't have us like i'm like i don't think we did accents it was definitely a diverse cast on both sides but the 
Jets tended to be like the white girl, the blonde girls, because that's what they are. Right. The, okay. So then everyone else kind of ended up in the sharks. <laughs> yeah. But it's also tricky because I think with children's theater, you don't you do kind of blindly cast more often. So then what happens mm-hmm. is like, do you only blindly cast the jets and then only like, do you, you know what I mean? Casting is, not so it, it gets, gets my girlfriend's a social worker. So she's really keyed into issues of race and ethnicity. And the thing of casting is so interesting because yeah. you can talk about voice actors who oh, will gosh, do yeah, that's the whole thing. every race. Cause they do 50 voices and then casting. Cause like cross casting can also be very empowering, right? Like you can have, an all female cast of something like death of a salesman or something and be like, that's cool and interesting. And because of the set design and attendant things they did, I draw a new meaning from it. Yeah. But then if you do like, I don't know, Porgy and Bess and everyone's white, you're like, what are you doing guys? I think intention (laughs) is for sure really important because yeah, I mean like if a, if you go to predominantly white school in the Midwest and Mm -hmm. you guys want to do West side story, I mean, I don't know. This is tricky because it's like, could you pick a better, a play that but also at the same time like you're learning how to act you're learning this is a sure. classic musical like i don't know the answer in Once my mind you're a jet you're a jet don't you know like i'm inclined <laughs> to say that a high school can do west side story even if this even if the make genetic makeup of the whatever like school is predominantly white and you know you're not going to end up having a half and half cast yes but should they do makeup Brown and face? Accents probably not but c- yeah. well i think west side story itself has probably now been proven like the, yeah. the songs are problematic sure um but it's a great musical and, and it's a power structure thing and everything's individual and it has like, a message about class so i think yeah. intention matters if the if the intention was, and there are places like this, so this is why it gets tricky because with the internet, we don't always know the intention. If the intention is like, haha, let's kind of make fun. It'll be a funny way for mm-hmm. us to like play pretend and be poor. Like, you see, that's not great. Party, exactly. For example. Yes. <laughs> like when they, I think they did like a Compton cookout three or four times. Yeah. It's and you're my like, alma mater. Oh and they God. keep getting busted for blackface parties. Right. And you're like, this is the intention here is clearly to yes. poke fun and you're not inclusive. But of the, the message is like, hey, this is a very homogenous area, but we want to bring in new voices and mm-hmm. um, educate. I think there's something about that. Yeah. But I, I'm definitely, I lean more towards a side of like, let artists make mistakes. But um, I know that doesn't tend to be the public opinion. <laughs> it's hard. Like, the, did you see that news about the girl who wore a Chinese prom dress or Chinese chi pao to prom? No. There was, so she, it might have been homecoming, but she was in a predominantly white area. She was like, mm-hmm. looks very all American, white. Right. Actually, that's another thing I want to stop saying is all American as a euphemism for sure, white. Sure, yeah. So I think it gets used in casting a that's lot. That's true, yeah. Um, because we can be American too. Mm. <laughs> but she looked like... Margaret Cho proved exactly. it with a show. Yeah. But she looked like... She was white, a blonde girl, or she looked white. And she wore a chi pa, which is like a traditional mm-hmm. Chinese dress, to her homecoming, and she got a lot of flack online. And okay. people were like, this is appropriation. But I don't think it was. I mean, I think it's definitely like not just black and white, like is there a world of people who take on like fashion that they like, but aren't giving back to the community? Sure. But like Mm -hmm. in this case, she seemed like someone who just really liked the dress and was fond of Chinese culture and was like, I want to wear this dress and it's a style. It's crazy hard to parse. It's also not a difference between appreciation and appropriation is very fuzzy. Cause then like, you're probably not cool with Rachel Dolezal though. Right? No, I'm not. (laughs) But I'll say this, Rachel going so far as a take on and lying about our culture is like, insane this girl was not like i'm chinese also i think (laughs) what happens is a lot of people saw that and thought and this is also like 
uh, kind of weirdly backfiring on the mm-hmm. people who thought they were speaking out for social justice didn't understand Chinese culture because they thought, oh, she's taking this like sacred dress. And it's like, it's just actually just a style. Like, it's, like a it's style. just fashionable. Literally, yeah. 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 It, it does obviously go back to historically people wore it, but it's a style that people wear to weddings and parties yeah. and it's like no, not did you hear in china a chinese girl wore one of those big dog t-shirts and everyone was like that's the most sacred <laughs> oh, american tradition <laughs> <laughs> no fear shoes what are you doing yeah so i think it's about <laughs> understanding yeah because it's like why can't like if i dress up in like uh you know wear pearls and a j crew cardigan am i appropriating right obviously not no but i think fashion gets tricky because fashion is all about borrowing a little bit yes and uh, and yeah, I think as long as we're appreciating and understanding and continuing yeah. the conversation, I think there is a world for us to appreciate. And just get to know someone enough to tell if they're like coming from a place of love or hate. Yeah. And if it's love, you can be like, oh, you offended me by doing this, but it was probably a mistake. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. And I think there's always going to be a little bit of resentment until we achieve full equality, because just by nature of the dynamic, like yeah. the white people if i mean not all white people but overall a lot of white people still are like the you know privileged Mm -hmm. group and so by default if they're even interested in something from a group that's underprivileged and they take that but you see them not helping of course because you're like oh i'm now upset about my station in life i mean i'm a white rapper so i've thought about this a lot wait are you really oh yeah i've been rapping for like nine years yeah Okay, whoa, whoa, well, tell me more about that. I, I, f- really? I feel like I've heard oh, no. joke um, joke raps, but it's uh, you're also like out there No, yeah, I've done or? a bunch of live shows, and we're about to drop some singles on Small <gasps> Beans for the first time, yeah. So I have yet, because I don't know a ton of musicians, so this is the first time stuff's going to come out is in the next two months. But I've been rapping. I've got like 50 raps that are mine that I've written that I would consider yeah. quote-unquote serious. Okay. That I didn't write for cracks. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and I do live shows sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because people do joke about like white rapper is like a thing people say as a joke. It's but like I, weird owl rap. Yeah, yeah, but it's also <laughs> um, well, no, because weird owl rap is like parody rap. Right. I'm thinking when I think white rapper, I think like Eminem, like mm-hmm. kind of like in that in the culture of hip hop. Yes, and that was a big journey for me. Gratefully, it happened quickly because um, like it really bothers me about Lil Dicky especially mm. that he raps in what I would call black voice with black affectation. And then and in interviews, he just talks Chris like Brown this, in his video like, book. hi, I'm oh, just yeah. this guy in <laughs> interviews, but now I'm going to rap dog. And it's like, uh, it just, whatever you can like love little Dicky. That's fine. But for me, it quickly became important to not be copying a culture that, cause I didn't grow up listening to a ton of rap. I came to it through poetry uh-huh. and loving writing. That's a lot of, uh, even a lot performing. of black artists are, Oh, of course, of course. People overlook that because they think like with popular culture, you're like, it ends up being this like, oh, it's all about gangster rap or whatever. But I think so much of the lyrics in even gangster rap are very like, like well written in like artistry. um, Oh, yeah. A lot of it comes from poetry and slam poets. Of course. I don't mean to minimize that. I just mean that I was ripping off gangster rap for like the first three I wrote. Right. Uh Uh And then realized like, this is awful (laughs) and really worked on developing the ability to write in like a voice that I would write in if I were Uh writing a column or a novel or anything. And yeah, that's been really gratifying. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a big conversation about appropriation and appreciation, (laughs) but no, because I really do think like, it's like, I like, I try to think on an individual level, like, does this bother me or whatever? I mean, like, and then you have to be careful not to fold in too much into it because 
like if I get bothered by someone uh, appreciating Chinese culture, like am I bothered because I feel like I I'm not represented? Like is that mm -hmm. a different issue? Like it's related, but it's different, mm -hmm. right? Like I don't think we can fix them all at once. So. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. There's a weird transitional. Like now with Crazy Rich Asians out, it's like very exciting mm. that there's an all Asian cast that's in a mainstream Top of the movie. box office right now. Yeah. Sure. But then you also, there, there's going to be, a, I can already see a transitional period where it's like becomes trendy to do it maybe. <laughs> and that is good in the long run because that's what we want. We also wouldn't want them to just be like, great, we did one. No more for 10 years or whatever. Right. So, right. So it's like, what do we want? But are we going to end up being, is the Asian community going to end up being unhappy with certain people trying to capitalize? Probably, I can Definitely. see that for sure. There's going to be some mistakes made. That's what happens made. with waves, where like some yeah. people are genuine and some people are shallow Hollywood people yep. who are trying to cash <laughs> in on it. Yeah, there's for sure going to be mistakes made. It's going right. to be messy, but also if we do nothing, then nothing changes. Agreed. Yeah, impossible to parse, and that's why I think you're right. You have to take everything on a case by case basis, and of course, people are right when they say there's an impulse right now because it's become trendy to care about social issues that it overlaps people mm -hmm. really care about social issues and also have the human impulse to gain status by calling someone on something and like get an sjw point or whatever Ugh. um <laughs> it overlaps and it's impossible to like disentangle i think but i agree with you that i'd like much rather be moving f towards a more equitable society and some people be phonies mm -hmm. than i feel like the other side is usually saying like no phonies, even if that means we all fucking kill each other. <laughs> and I like, if I hate you, yeah. I want to fucking say I hate you. And I don't, I believe that we can like speak to the better angels of our natures and yeah, get better. True. Um, uh, I just thought of another time I wore a costume that's probably problematic is I, I was Tiger Lily in se my senior year of high school for homecoming. Like they, our theme was Peter Pan. Okay. And I'm like, oh, now I know that's wrong and you're not supposed to dress up like a Native American. Mm. But then I'm like, I think about, I'm like, was, it probably was still wrong then, but I was pretty young and I'm not excusing it. But I remember also, in, this is why it's a dual natured issue. Is I remember thinking like, who do I relate to in Peter Pan the most? And I related to the brown character. Sure. Because she, I was not white or I wasn't like Tinkerbell or Wendy. So I was like, oh, cool. Perfect for me. Right. So in a way, I'm like, this is two issues because... Definitely don't appropriate. It diminishes the but culture down there to be a costume. And but yeah, yeah, exactly. Because then it's like, on the other hand, I'm like, but who do I dress up as? <laughs> That's why it's like, I like choke up when I see pictures online of little kids dressing as Black Panther on Halloween because it's oh, like, yeah. they finally have a fucking character a that looks like them, that they can dress as that is everywhere that's yeah. like a billion dollar movie that everyone's talking about it's great on the note of kids though i kind of feel like kids get a little bit more leeway because of now course. that black panther is so big i think it's like little white kids might also you see some white black panthers but and i'm just saying before that black kids had anything, to decide yeah. like well I, should i be wolverine yes, i guess exactly. and just pretend like it's fine because, of course, cross-casting's fine, <laughs> but it's still got to be nice to no, see nice. it be like, he looks like me. And I'm it's rooted in like a, like an African culture. Right. So absolutely. that's really nice, too, because it's not just it's also fine to do the kind of CW diverse casting <laughs> where everyone's just some like uh, ambiguous, like it's not really white, but ambiguous, like uh, soap opera background, but they sure. look different. But it's nice to have a character that's it's about their is like their identity is also tied to yeah, the story. The you know, I liked uh, for that. Do you remember the real Ghostbusters cartoon? 
Mm, I don't think I ever watched it. One but. white character, one Asian character, <laughs> one black character, and one character in a wheelchair was the main cast. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's great. But that's like, uh, I also think like with Vic- like Victoria's That's Secret. like the PBS thing where you're like, we you're like, randomly hmm. put an algorithm like, of not things together. Happened. Yeah, because yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not actually a representative of the demographic of the world. If we were actually representative, it would just be all the time. You'd see characters that were all different, not just like one, 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 one. True, but they, if it was representative of America, at least I feel like they'd still often be segregated, like self-segregated, because that's a whole nother issue. Oh, yeah. Like if you just saw a cast that didn't mention it, but it was like six people all in wheelchairs, you'd be like, this also feels... That's what I mean, which is fucking, that's the craziest thing about organizing by race, is it's as random (laughs) as height, foot size, like it's so arbitrary. it should be that random. And yet if you saw a show where everyone's diverse, you're like... Someone better mention the diversity. <laughs> and it's like, why? Does someone have to mention like, hey, we're all different heights. Isn't that interesting? I, you know? <laughs> I thought about the same thing except with left and right handed people. Yeah. Because Ooh, I'm sinister. Oh, yeah. OK, because it's like <laughs> I think that's true. And I think it is an obsession America has. I don't think it's people are that obsessed with it outside of America. But someone was talking to me from Europe about it. And they're like, yeah, it's weird how you guys notice it for everything. Like we don't think that much about it to the point where writers and i'm sure you can back me up like yeah you have to mention it or like explain why these people are friends it's bizarre yeah but then like you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't mention it if it was a left-handed or right-handed or even like um sun signs but in jumanji they have to set up like why would this (laughs) black football player be friends with this like middle eastern kid that's weird yeah (laughs) so funny yeah well uh, we're starting to get hopefully to a point where it's gonna feel less like noticeable but i think it's mm-hmm. it's a, oh this happened too when i was um actually i'm curious what you think about this because we we're talking about black panther and kids dressing up like how would you feel how do you feel about like disney princesses like like a little white girl wanting to dress up as moana oh god don't ask okay. me that well no no no, you, I, no I don't mean to put you on the spot because yeah, i kind of feel i'll I start with tough. how i feel i think I, it's a tough answer because i want little kids to imagine outside the box and not care about race if that's possible for them. But also at the same time, I feel like I've learned in recent history from my bubble of privilege Mm -hmm. with the help of other people checking me and like teaching me out of their generosity (laughs) that when it was really easy. And this is what I thought when I was a little kid in like the early nineties. And I think even a lot of adults at the time, it was okay to say, not that's been resolved, but or the racism issue in America, but um, I'm colorblind uh-huh. was considered good. That's the good thing to be sure. is I don't see race. And I do see where that comes from, because philosophically, abstractly, that should be where we get to. Well, if it but was I true, th- but people then go behind their back, like communities are still being discriminated. against. But it's been so. pointed out to me repeatedly and emphatically <laughs> and with statistics. Right. That if it's not true. You have to recognize that it's not true (laughs) until it is true. You can't just like wipe your hands and be like, well, I'm not racist. Society's done. (laughs) Yeah, it is like very frustrating because I do think it's also different in coastal cities, like big cities where I've lived like New York and L.A. because Mm -hmm. I think we're so aware. So it would feel weird if like a little girl dressed up as Moana and you're like, you got other options. But like I think in areas like that are predominantly white, where um, they're not as aware of it just by nature of not having to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think this, and I know I might be like more on the minority of this. I feel like a little girl who's a white girl wants to dress up as Moana is like a really beautiful thing because it's like finally like 
we always had to grow up aspiring to be like Cinderella and Snow yeah. White and like so cool that she just identifies with this princess. And I feel like by pointing it out and saying you can't do it, it makes them aware of like the difference and uh, and others Moana in a way where it's like that's actually their princess and that's not the point. I do think it's good to have those conversations, but this is why I feel like kids are different subset than adults. I think I totally agree because if your kid is able to transcend race, like let them have that <laughs> for as long as they can. Yeah. Yeah. There are systems in place that will They'll make them racist later. I know, but it is so <laughs> frustrating because it's like, I get it. Like, I get that. We don't want to just take it all away. Well, before. I think if I was, if it was, if it was like a yard party where all the parents are white and all the kids are white and they're all dressed as princesses of color, you'd wonder what the, how the, what the parents <laughs> are thinking, but you never want, I do. I agree. You sure. give the kid the benefit of the doubt that they just like Moana. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I wish it was just like we could like, well, you can't control it. You just got to let it go, but you got to let it go. That's That's why I was always the Grim Reaper every year. (laughs) Well, I'm unusually tall and shy and Grim Reaper. You can't see their eyes. It was great. Or that scream mask with the blood. I hated that. I did that once, the scream mask. I liked anything with the black mesh that I could see out and people couldn't see in. People couldn't see in. Oh, I I hated those. I would go to school. (laughs) It was honestly an excuse to, I didn't have to talk to anyone all day. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like all the funny kids in my class were that and I'd be like, who are you? What's your name? And then they'd just not say anything. And it's like, I hate this so much. Let me see your face. That's the thing. People would be like, is it? You're Levi, right? And I'll just stare at them. And inside, I'm like, this is the least shy I've ever been. This is Uh, nice. Because it's like everyone wants to talk to you. And doesn't know who the fuck I am. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think about um, race when I was doing costumes. Because in my mind, I'm I'm not like, I'm the Asian fireman. I'm just like, I'm going <laughs> right, to be a fireman, course, you know? Yeah, yeah. But but I do, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to belittle that whole conversation appropriation. Because I do think, obviously, I'm a Asian person. So, like, I think about it differently. Like, I maybe oh, get, I I get to come from. I don't see race. So. <laughs> I'm yeah, fully oh evolved. God, no. Well, it is cause <laughs> I, to be fair, I am wearing, uh, I am dressed in brown face. Uh, and I told you my name is Ernesto. Right. Started, With so a flowing I Chinese <laughs> gown. It's a weird <laughs> <laughs> match. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. Um, do you want to play a game? I have a game. Sure. I'm very always. bad at transitions, always. as you can tell. Always. Uh, I'm so glad we got all the way through that without discussing the virginity loss that happened uh, (laughs) uh, in the wings while the play was going on. While it was happening? Yes. It seems like you want to talk about it. No, we can move on. (laughs) We're low on time. I'd rather play a game. Okay. It uh, probably goes kind of how you'd imagine it would go. I've never, um, (laughs) I didn't lose my virginity until like senior year of college, but I was in a play once in high school where I got felt up behind the wings. I think it's pretty, it's weirdly common, but not good. Don't do this, high school kids. High school kids are so, like, so much more sexual, too, than I feel like their counterparts, maybe because they're, like, getting in the characters of these adults like, oh you I mean don't, the drama kids yeah i don't know what it is like, i want to do a whole episode of rough stuff when they let me back yeah about why are they so sexual drama was so sexually like charged. all the cast parties were just like people feeling each other up and totally. i was like what the heck is going on yeah um so ca- I, I just want to dispense the three funny facts since i'm never gonna speak of this again okay was speaking of getting felt up that's how it all started is it was cold and julian at that time of year and the green room was outside the building okay. it was like a patio and there was an old, old man there who was a great actor who's very, I'm not going to name, cause, but uh, Morgan Freeman had like a Broadway career and now oh, is wow. in his 80s and was like the prestige actor in the production, oh, right? cool. And for example, he had just played Don Quixote there uh-huh. in Man of La Mancha. So it's him and me and this girl and I'm rubbing my hands saying my hands are cold and she just takes my hands and puts them in her bra around her boobs. And the uh, elderly man gets up and is like, 
I know it it seems exciting, but it's trouble, boy. Like, oh, stay no. away. And he just walked away. Oh, my God. And later I ended <laughs> up losing my virginity to that girl in the wings, in between the part where I go off stage and what? come back on for the third act. Have never told anyone that. Uh, and then she went home with two firemen that oh night. Oh, my God. And it broke my heart. <laughs> oh, it sounds like she also had a lot of issues. And then, of course, <laughs> as I grew up, because I was only 15 or I wouldn't, I was like, did I take advantage of her? That someone is dealing with some shit, obviously. No, but uh, that's why it's yeah. gray area. I mean, it sounds like she did take advantage of you. I think I was young enough that I was like, can be forgiven in retrospect, but maybe yeah. I, that's wishful thinking. Man, that's uh, that's heavy. I mean, it's Sorry. like funny. No, it's, a, it's not because <laughs> like we're clearly in comedy where we talk openly about it. And that I think that obviously you found healthy ways to express mm-hmm. yourself. But yeah, kids just like, man, kids are fucked up. I feel that's like, <laughs> yeah, you know? man. We used to play this game, especially in mountain, small mountain town kids. They, yeah, I mean, <laughs> even I grew up in a pretty liberal Bay Area town, and like our theater class, there was this game that people used to play called the uncomfortable game. I don't know if you guys had a version of this. Literally, the rules of the game are just keep touching each other till someone says <gasps> stop, and then the ga- the goal of the game is to not say stop first. So, of course, Whoa. whenever guys wanted to play, like, you Just can't win. Your tits. You yeah, can't win yeah, that game. Yeah. <laughs> you lose if you say stop. You lose if you don't say stop. And it was a lot of getting, Talk like... Talk about trying to learn consent yeah. as, like, a kid growing up. That's so confusing. Well, and it's so weird because as we a girl... We had the penis game where you yell, oh, you penis, yell penis louder yeah. and louder Yeah, class, that's more yeah. titillating. I don't think that's <laughs> yeah, necessarily assault. But, no, like, but this was, was just, like, assault me. Like, that's yeah, it is. <laughs> And guess who invented that game? Some dude. Um, But yeah, drama was, it's too long to talk about everything. But yeah, like before I hit puberty, I was in drama. And the girls that were ahead of the curve or had developed earlier were so sexual. It made me so confused and feel so weird. Like would get naked just to do their stretches and then put their tights back on. And I'm like, what's going on? Oh man. My head is (laughs) whirling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also it doesn't help that I feel like every play or musical has like a prostitute character for no reason. Yep. The (laughs) world is not full of prostitutes, like in the way the theater makes it feel like. I played a syphilitic prostitute in a Shakespeare play where there's no, that's not mentioned in the text and they just added a bunch of syphilitic prostitutes. (laughs) That was a male syphilitic prostitute. Oh my God. (laughs) that's so funny um okay well i'm there's so much exciting stuff but we we are we are near the end of this i know i talk too much i'm sorry no you don't you're very open and (laughs) forthcoming and i love that this game is all about uh phobias um because we're talking about sort of like being vulnerable and things that we're afraid of so it's pretty straightforward it's called phobia phobic okay basically i i thought you might like this because you're kind of like a words guy Mm -hmm. so i just want to see how well you know your words so i'll just read you for phobia the name of a phobia a couple options of what it could be and then you have to guess oh i'm calling my shot i'm gonna get everyone oh you really know these i think so okay cool well that's we'll see i love having experts on the podcast i'm casually leaning back you probably do know all these then because (laughs) i didn't know any but if you are an expert at focus all right there's gonna be multiple choice though i'm so i've always wanted to be on jeopardy this is the closest i'll get (laughs) so number one a blutophobia what is a fear of being clean alex (laughs) <laughs> i didn't even read the co- <laughs> okay well so so okay, it's one of the, so you do have it right but it's okay a fear of taking a bath so that's oh b fear of blowing your nose c fear of getting lost in aladdin's chiseled abs so i forgot it was multiple so, choice yeah, multiple choice. so excited. you're gonna go with a i'm assuming <laughs> yeah yes you are correct 
All right. So so wait till the the choices. <laughs> <laughs> See if it was Jeopardy, I would have lost two thousand dollars just now. Oh, if you wait. Oh, because you got <laughs> buzzed early. in early. You can't there do that. You go. Uh, all right. Number two, nomophobia. Is this A, fear of fruits that grow on vines, B, fear of not having cell phone service, or C, fear of having mo' money, mo' problems? Oh, my goodness. I might not know this one. Ooh, and one of the options isn't fear of gnomes, so I can't make <laughs> a funny guess. I'll give you a hint. It's You probably don't know it because it's a newer one. Cell phone, then. That's cell correct. phone reception. You're okay. correct. <laughs> I would call that roaming-ophobia. Rom- <laughs> uh hey yo okay number three i wouldn't have gotten that so it's hard i mean yeah. that's a new thing it's yeah. like weird it's how you got me it's a, it's a new one yeah it's a, new <laughs> one. It's a, no, an, a nomo brainer um <laughs> number three chatophobia is this a fear of losing your hair b fear, fear of sharp edges or c fear of complicated starbucks orders sharp edges uh, nope, it's actually fear of oh, loose hair. No, loose hair on other people or yourself. My cocky demeanor is dropping through the floor. But that's pretty close. Yeah. You, so you, I don't know. You don't know as much about phobias. As I don't. You, you thought, and that's what I fear most that's what of you all. Fear them? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Here's the final one. Let's see if you can get this one. Number four, philophobia. Is this A, fear <laughs> of falling, B, fear of falling in love, or C, fear of Phil Collins' drum fills, filling your heart with emotion? Ooh, <laughs> I want to say C, but I believe it's B. What You're is correct. the fear of falling in love? That is correct. Oh, man, yeah. you really knew that when I saw your face light up. <laughs> uh, do you know cholerophobia? Uh, fear of collars? Blue collars. Clowns. Oh. And I think a lot of people should know it because it's very common. Cholerophobia. And then my favorite one's Triscodecophobia, fear of the number Triscuits? 13. Oh, I like that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's one that's like fear of little holes. <laughs> Just like things with holes in them. Well, it's funny. I think any, anyone can put... Because <laughs> you'll trip? I get Maybe. it. Maybe. No, no. I think it's like the... Oh, I thought you were joking. No, oh, no. no. <laughs> I think it's real. It's a fear of tripping over your holes in the ground. A Tryptophobia. Lo- <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these are really dumb sounding. I think it's because people can just take like Greek and Latin prefixes and <laughs> slap phobia on it. Sure. Like, does anyone have a fear of little holes? Yeah. I don't mean to minimize it if that, they um, do, but... It is. It's a It's a thing. It's like the um, like sponges or things with like w- a lot of holes in them. People get freaked out. It makes them feel weird. I don't know why. It's kind of funny to me. The struggle is real. Yeah. So if you see I my face, like it's full of freckles. You'd probably freak the fuck if out. If you have issues with that, man, you're not, the, the world's <laughs> going to chew you up and spit you out. I'll tell you what I have a deep fear of. My fingernail scratching an ice cube. Oh. It freaks me out. But have good you ever thing done you don't that? Have to do that. I'm obsessed much. with, I always have the urge to do it and I hate uh, doing so it. So it's like a fear of yourself, really. It's like an OCD weird thing. Yeah. Fear of what you're capable of. Oh, have you ever done it? It's awful. I've never. It gives you shivers. I don't Don't want to. No. (laughs) Uh, Where can people find you? Uh, Here in Teresa's apartment, (laughs) the address of which is... No! Bleep, bleep, bleep. No. (laughs) Uh, I run another podcasting network called Small Beans that you can find on Patreon or Instagram at Small Beans Comedy. I am on Twitter. Uh, I also post a lot of Small Beans news at Swaim underscore C-O-R-P. Yeah, follow him on Twitter. And you can follow this podcast on Instagram at Tell Me Anything Pod. Or uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Tell Me Anything Pod. Just for a dollar, you can be a member. Thanks for coming on the show, Michael. Thank you so much. It's delightful. Goodbye.